0: New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash snapped or text snap to 500-500. That's audible.com slash snapped or text snap to 500-500.
1: If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wondery that's rocketmoney.com slash wondery rocketmoney.com slash wondery
2: a second chance at love brings a kind-hearted bachelor out of his shell
3: he really doted on her he kind of lit up
4: i saw them as a happy couple
2: But a trip off the grid lands them in the spotlight.
4: uh,
2: Investigators struggle to navigate a trail of lies. Every
5: piece of evidence, it all works together to put the pieces back into this puzzle.
2: But the truth lies far beneath the surface.
6: Is this a dirty cop? Has he gone up there and killed for a woman? What he did just
7: destroyed her.
5: I know from the depths of my heart, hurting my heart.
7: It all fits into the pattern. That's not a human being.
3: That's a monster.
2: October 15, 1995, Uncompagre National Forest.
6: Uncompagre National Forest is a million acres of wilderness over in western Colorado. A lot of aspens, a lot of open fields out there, a lot of spruce, a lot of wildlife up there. It's really beautiful.
2: Off-duty Texas police officers Doug Kyle and Michael Maidwell are enjoying the third full day of a week-long hunting trip.
6: We had a little breakfast and then I went back to bed because I'd already shot a deer and it was early in the morning and I didn't have to get up.
2: Doug doesn't get to sleep in for long.
6: I was awakened by a gunshot and the gunshot was very close to the camp. I heard some hollering. And I thought, well, this somebody has shot an animal and they've, uh, celebrating a little bit. And then another shot went off. And another shot. There's,
8: you know, three or 400 hunters within miles. You can't speculate anything when you hear
6: shots. I chose to stay in my position until I was satisfied the shooting was over with. At that point, I said, well, I'll just get on up and start taking care of my animal now. I had it about halfway done, and someone behind me said, that's a nice forkhorn you've got there.
2: The woman introduces herself as Janice Dodson.
6: She said, my husband, he's over there hunting. She was waiting on him to come back. She said that she was going to go look for her husband.
2: An hour later, at 9.30 AM, Doug hears something unsettling.
6: It was a person screaming for help. I took a quick dash to the top of the rise and could see this lady that I had spoken to previously standing over someone laying on the ground. She had a hunter orange vest, and it was in her hands, and she was waving it and hollering, why didn't you have your vest on? Why didn't you have your vest on? He was lying face down, hands on either side of his torso. There was a rifle laying beside him. Uh, There was three empty shell casings laying to one side of him. I could see that there was a large bullet hole in between the shoulder blades of his back. I say, who is this? And she said, it's my husband, it's Bruce.
2: Baltimore, Maryland native Bruce Dodson was always quiet-natured.
3: He was very compassionate. He really cared about people. He felt the comfort, you know, just sitting there with him and just talking.
2: After serving four years in the Navy at the height of the Vietnam War, Bruce decided to relocate to Western Colorado and began a career as a lab technician in local hospitals.
4: I knew Bruce quite well. He's a very bright guy, a real pleasant fellow, and we enjoyed his presence, not only his professional skills, but his personality.
2: Bruce's calming presence helped him easily make friends, but when it came to love, he rarely put forth the effort.
3: For the several years that I knew him, I never knew him um, to go out and date.
2: Bruce Dodson may not have been looking for love, But love found him anyway. In 1993, he started dating a nurse named Janice. Janice K. Sanders was born in Houston, Texas in 1951 and grew up in a family that loved the great outdoors.
5: She was an avid hunter, like since she's been
2: eight years old. Went every year with her parents, Janice told friends that she had a troubled childhood and a rocky relationship with her parents. She had
9: some issues
2: and left to escape her home life. She had to get out. Janice soon landed in the arms of a hometown cowboy named J.C.
9: Lee. She met J.C. when she was very young. And you know, we're out west. And cowboys, they're quite appealing to everybody. The couple married and had two kids, a daughter and a son. JC was a ranch hand, and ranch hands didn't make a lot of money. He was in and out of
2: jobs, but she didn't care. For Janice, JC was the man who'd rescued her from her turbulent home life. If you have an
9: opportunity to escape and you have someone there to assist you, that individual you're probably going to have an undying loyalty to and be eternally grateful for them from taking you out of a really heinous situation. She'd do anything for him.
2: With JC by her side, Janice felt she could do anything. And in 1982, she went back to school and became a registered nurse. She eventually landed a job at Delta County Memorial Hospital in Delta, Colorado. I met
9: Janice in a hospital. We were work friends. She was a great nurse. All her patients loved her. She worked on what we called the medical
3: surgical unit. She was very lively, um, very friendly, very outgoing.
2: Then, in 1990, Janice's marriage crumbled around her. JC had, in fact, cheated on
9: her. He left and was with a much, much younger girl. They had been together 20-plus years. So it was very traumatic for her. I think what he did just destroyed her.
2: Janice relocated to a hospital 30 minutes south of Delta in Montrose, Colorado. But she maintained close ties to her former place of employment and to one coworker in particular, Bruce
9: Dodson. She needed someone in her life to help her get through the difficult time that she was going through. She said he was very nice to her. And they seemed happy. She said it was time to get on with her life.
2: Slowly but surely, Janice recovered from her divorce and reinvented herself.
9: When I first met her, she used to dress very conservatively. After this divorce with JC, she came to my house, and she had a beautiful sequined dress. And I was like, at first, I didn't know who she was.
2: (laughs) Her newfound confidence made a big impression on everyone around her, especially Bruce.
4: She was a very uh, vivacious young lady. Bruce seemed very happy, so we thought it was a good match.
3: He really doted on her. He kind of lit up. Whenever Janice was there, you know, he would just seem a little bit brighter and happier.
2: After dating for several years, the couple tied the knot on July 15, 1995.
9: Bruce adored Janice, just adored. Janice. I saw them
4: as a happy couple.
2: Then, three months later, Janice finds Bruce lying face down near their campsite in the Uncompahgre National Forest, shot in the back. After hearing screams, off-duty police officer Doug Kyle runs up and tries to help.
6: I got down beside the man tried to take a pulse on his neck. I could not find a pulse. I did not see any movement from his chest. I said, ma'am, I said, I'm sorry that this man is deceased. I said, there's nothing we can do for him at this point but, but go get authorities. And I drove up the mountain. And there was a man on the side of the road talking on a cell phone. And he dialed 911. On the Divide Road, and this man been shot and killed up here. When did this happen, sir? I don't know. I am just up here, and a guy came and has said that
4: uh, then his camp or someone dead. Like suicide or somebody. We don't know.
2: Coming up, the investigation gets off to a rocky start.
6: I immediately stopped, and I said, "Well, this is different. This is not the way I left this."
2: And theories begin swirling.
6: I thought, well, maybe this guy was signaling for help. But the more questions you ask, the more questions pop up. On October 15,
2: 1995, A distressing 911 call has multiple law enforcement agencies en route to a remote section of Uncompahgre National Forest in Mesa, Colorado.
10: It was my understanding that a gentleman had been shot on a hunting trip and his wife had discovered uh, her husband laying in the the open area with his uh, orange vest and hat off of his body.
2: The victim is reported to be 48-year-old hospital lab technician Bruce Dodson. What
5: happened to this person? Was it an accident, or um, did he commit suicide, or was it actually a murder?
2: Shortly before noon, a Mesa County Sheriff's deputy arrives.
6: The deputy let me walk him down. And when I got to the spot with him, I immediately stopped. And I said, well, this is different. I said, this is not the way I left this. He was face down when I left. And when I got back, he was laying on his back. And he's covered up with a blanket. She covered him up, trying to keep him warm until help got there. Different people act different ways when they're expressing grief. You know, here they are in the middle of nowhere in the mountains and this is her husband and he's laying here dead.
2: The officers sympathize, but also worry that the evidence of what happened to Bruce Dodson is already slipping away.
6: As an officer coming to a scene, you want to see it as raw as you can find it. Everything on that scene tells you a part of the story. And once you disturb that, that disturbs the story.
2: Bruce's grieving widow is led back to her camp while investigators begin processing the scene.
6: The deputy that I had met with initially said, you know, just just take her up there and get her away right now so we can start processing this.
2: One of the first details investigators notice is a bolt-action rifle lying on the ground near the victim's body along with three empty shell casings.
10: The shell casing being close to him would indicate that the rifle was fired there.
2: Did Bruce shoot himself? Law enforcement are able to rule out this theory almost immediately.
6: He sure didn't commit suicide. How does a man shoot himself in the back, you know, with a long rifle, uh, much less ejecting three shells?
2: Police also notice an orange hunter's vest lying nearby.
7: When we examined the clothing, we found that the vest had a a set of uh, two holes going through the front of it. The fatal wound that had gone through the rest of the clothing didn't correspond to those holes. There was no blood on the vest, which is one of the reasons that we
6: concluded that he may have taken the vest off to use it as a warning flag. Maybe this guy was signaling for help, you know, and he fired these three shots and that's how they got ejected right there. But, you know, the more questions you ask, the more questions pop up, actually.
10: Where Bruce was shot was in a clear area surrounded by the woods. uh, And I remember a fence being close by.
2: Walking along the fence line, investigators notice one post with a bullet hole in it a hole that seems to line up perfectly with the location of the victim's body.
8: When they found the bullet hole through the fence post, they run uh, some string through it towards where the body was laying. And they run it on up the hill 30, 40, 50 yards. And they drew a big circle.
2: Investigators conclude that the shooter was standing in a patch of oak brush, which overlooked the valley below.
7: It was late enough in the morning that the sunlight was up and it was clear, so there was no reason to believe that he was shooting through fog or anything like that and would have mistaken him for game. It was a, a clear view, and the only thing intervening was that one fence post, which is really a strange coincidence.
2: If the shooter knew Bruce wasn't game, could he have been targeted intentionally? To provide insight, authorities turned their attention to Bruce's wife according to janice she and her husband arrived in the park two nights earlier and spent the previous day hunting together
10: it was his first time to go hunting his wife uh, was a very experienced hunter since the time that she was a child
2: janice says they got up around five this morning and repeated the hunting technique they had used the day before
7: Her instructions to him were, I'm going to chase the game down out of the brush above you. And so be prepared to shoot, because I'll be chasing the game down the hill to you.
2: Janice says they agreed to meet back at camp around 9.30 AM. But she had to come back earlier to change clothes.
10: She changed clothes because she said she had gotten muddy in this bog. And a short time later, uh, she discovered uh, her husband laying in the the open area.
2: Janice also tells investigators about a strange encounter she had before sunrise. According to Janice, she crossed paths with a hunter walking along the middle of the ridge wearing camouflage.
10: Somebody wearing camo during a rifle season, a regular rifle season, would be nuts. Anytime that you're away from a camp, most experienced hunters wear their orange for safety.
2: Could Janice have seen her husband's shooter? Investigators press her for more information, but it seems the traumatic series of events has taken a toll on her.
6: She got very quiet, and she began shaking. One of the Forest Service uh, police came out with uh, an oxygen bottle and a mask and a med kit, and they went to working on her. And pretty soon, they were calling for a helicopter to come get her.
2: Janice is airlifted to a nearby hospital, and her husband's body is transported to the coroner's office for an autopsy. Investigators went back to the crime scene and
5: started collecting more evidence.
2: Before the sun sets, investigators collect Janice's hunting gear, including a 270 caliber Winchester rifle and the muddy clothes she was wearing that morning.
7: The firearms had been seized from the husband's camp. Her clothing had to be examined for blood and also for um, mud and other things that were on there.
2: As daylight fades, Doug Kyle's hunting partner and fellow off-duty police officer, Michael Maidwell finally returns to the camp he left early that morning.
8: One of the officers grabs me and then interrogates me as to where I've been and what I've been doing all day. When he told me there was a hunter killed, all I could think of was Doug.
2: Investigators inform Michael that Doug is not the victim. But for authorities, he is a person of interest.
6: They had been interrogating him most of the day. They asked a lot of questions of me, you know, like, do y'all know each other somehow? They were looking at me and going, is this a dirty cop? Has he gone up there and killed a man for a woman?
2: Coming up, investigators struggle to identify the truth from conflicting stories.
7: Her ex-husband always had camped in this exact same spot. You don't know what's going through their mind, jealousy.
2: And a new theory emerges.
9: Isn't it interesting that they were camped right next to each other?
0: Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit SimplySafe.com slash Snapped. That's simplysafe.com slash Snapped. There's no safe like Simply Safe. When you're ready
5: to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. October 15th, 1995,
2: Mesa, Colorado. Just hours after local resident Bruce Dodson is found dead, investigators are questioning Doug Kyle, the man who initially reported Bruce's death and their first person of interest in the case.
6: The deputy that had originally responded uh, asked me to come to his vehicle and sit in his vehicle with him and give him a statement. It became a little more intense there for a while after that on the questioning.
2: Investigators are also questioning Doug's friend Michael Maidwell, who has just returned to their camp.
8: I gave them pretty much the details when I left, when I got back, where I was hunting, you know, exact location. I let them know that I did have my rifle with me, and I also had Doug's rifle in the truck. So that pushed him away as a suspect.
2: The next day. Bruce's friend and coworker, Dr. Thomas Canfield, is tasked with determining the cause of death.
4: Emotionally, to perform an autopsy on a friend is difficult, but it, it goes for the territory. You know, you need to do it, you need to do a good job.
3: I know a lot of the people in the lab were, um, they were devastated. But hunting accidents happen
2: and working in a hospital, you see it. But authorities already have questions about whether or not Bruce's death was an accident.
4: When I examined the clothing, I discovered fairly quickly that there were three gunshot wounds in the clothing, one of which was in the vest that did not hit Bruce. The other two hit him and uh, and one of them caused his death. I called the sheriff's office in of Mesa County and said, we do not have an accident, we have a homicide.
2: Based on the damage to the body, Dr. Canfield confirms that the victim was murdered with a hunting rifle.
4: A hunting rifle is a high powered rifle that uses usually uh, soft tipped or hollow tipped bullets so that it will expand and do damage to the heart of the animal you're shooting at.
2: At the crime scene, investigators continue their search in an area where they believe the killer stood and fired.
7: We could see the brush was all trampled down. And we found two cartridge cases. And we knew that there was a relatively small diameter of
2: hunting rifle. Investigators determined the shell casings are 308 caliber Winchester cartridges, which do not match those found near Bruce's body or any of the guns recovered from his wife Janice or the two witnesses. Could the 308 caliber belong to the mystery man Janice reported seeing?
6: Where's the gun that killed this man?
2: At an impasse, detectives decide to speak to Janice Dodson again. She is still recovering from the shock of her husband's death. Janice starts by explaining she and Bruce had planned the weekend getaway, hoping to run into her former in-laws.
10: They come from Texas to Colorado and actually hunted in that same area. She went up there with Bruce to camp in the same area.
2: When asked if her ex-husband, J.C. Lee, was also going to be there, Janice says she isn't sure, but it's a place he knows well.
7: Her ex-husband always had camped in this exact same spot. The whole divorce occurred because
3: he cheated on her. And so she was pretty frustrated and angry.
10: It's strange. Out of all the places to go hunting, especially on the Western Slope, that you would pick an area to where your ex-husband is and your friends or in-laws or whatever they were. It's just strange.
2: Investigators find the campsite of Janice's former in-laws and interview her ex-husband's brother.
7: They were all hunting at the same time and in this, in this close proximity to each other.
2: According to his brother, JC was in the area over the weekend but left the campsite the previous evening.
10: The ex-husband's in the area with all of his relatives. So you don't know what's going through their mind, jealousy. Uh, it could be any number of motives that would occur.
2: While authorities try to track down J.C. Lee, they contact Bruce and Janice's friends and family.
3: We got word that it, it wasn't an accident, that it was a homicide. And I'm like, what do you what do you what do you mean it was it was a homicide? Who would put three bullets in somebody? Somebody like him. He had no enemies.
2: When investigators speak to Janice's friends, they are surprised to learn that she went to East Texas just a few months ago to see her ex-husband. Well,
9: she still loved JC. And she told me she loved JC. And even when she married Bruce, she loved J.C. because he was her soulmate, she told me.
2: Then, just four months after her trip, Bruce
9: Dodson was dead. And isn't it interesting that they were camped right next to each other, J.C. and her?
2: On October 18th, investigators tracked down J.C. Lee at his home in Layton, Utah.
10: As I remember, J.C. was very friendly and outgoing, uh, talkative, and uh, denied any knowledge of the, uh, the killing of Bruce.
2: J.C. tells investigators he planned to spend the weekend with his family and girlfriend, and didn't know that Bruce and Janice were going to be hunting in Uncompagre that weekend.
7: He did have an alibi because he did have other hunter companions with him.
2: Despite his alibi, detectives have their doubts.
7: Being an
10: ex-husband, a jealousy factor, it's always suspicious that when a lady marries a man, the ex-husband's in the area, they all camped at the same place, and then Bruce ends up being
6: killed.
2: An investigator then asks about a handwritten list on a nearby table. JC says it is a list of items that went missing from his tent on the afternoon of October 14th, the day before Bruce's murder the list includes a 308 caliber remington rifle
7: the caliber of the cartridge cases were the same as a a gun that had come up missing the theory was out there that maybe jc had been involved
2: is jc attempting to cover his tracks by claiming his gun was stolen or did he unknowingly supply the killer with the murder weapon
9: if jc was in the area either he was a part of the plan or someone was setting him up.
2: Investigators ask if Janice knew where J.C.'s campsite was. He says he has camped in the same area since he was married to Janice three years ago.
10: J.C. was pretty much forthcoming, very helpful to us during the investigation.
2: J.C. then tells detectives about the strange encounter with Janice a few weeks before she married
9: Bruce. She went to J.C. and tried one more time to reconcile. And I think at that time he was already with this other girl and it was just never going to happen. So I think at that time that's a reality check for her.
2: To clear his name, J.C. agrees to provide fingerprints. Before they leave, investigators ask if he believes Janice might be capable of murder. He says he's not sure. I think JC
9: cheating on her leaving her for a younger person, she was devastated. Whatever Janice did after that, I think she was just going through the
2: motions. Coming up, authorities follow the trail of evidence to an explosive conclusion.
7: It all fits into the pattern of everything that was going on
2: and learn that in this case, nothing is what it seems. How could you have this other side
9: of you that could be so dark and so evil?
2: Days into the investigation of the murder of Bruce Dodson, authorities in Mesa County, Colorado are focusing on Bruce's widow, Janice Dodson.
10: I was focused on her as being a suspect for sure. She knew people were going to be there who would be suspicious uh, just by them being there and Bruce being killed. I think she set the whole thing up.
9: What is that old saying? Never underestimate a woman's scorn.
3: He would be a good Patsy you know, put the blame on him. They'll never believe grieving little old me, you
2: know, my ex-husband. Though detectives have evidence suggesting Janice was still in love with her ex-husband, J.C. Lee, they've yet to uncover any motive for her to want Bruce dead.
10: I don't recall her mentioning any problems at all. There was no friction,
7: uh, nothing.
2: A look at the couple's financial records presents a different narrative.
7: She was strapped for money in the past, didn't have a great deal of income, and now she had married a man with a substantial amount of money and insurance.
9: But it's kind of a double-edged sword because he was very frugal. So he really wouldn't give her a lot of money. So she would get um,
2: disappointed with him. The couple's divergent financial paths raise plenty of questions for detectives. Over the following weeks, detectives compile a list of Bruce Dodson's personal assets, which include three separate life insurance policies.
10: Shortly after they were married, she had suggested to Bruce that he do a will with her being the beneficiary of everything he had in the event of his death.
2: Investigators conclude that at the time of Bruce's death, Janice stood to receive more than $450,000 in death benefits and inherited assets.
3: I don't know how she convinced him to sign over a will within the first few weeks of marriage. But the thing is, as crazy as all that is, doesn't mean she's guilty, not in the eyes of the law.
2: Three months after the murder of Bruce Dodson, Mesa County detectives ask Janice Dodson to submit to a polygraph examination.
10: January 17, 1996, and the time is 11.15 a.m. and this will be a polygraph examination with Janice Dodson. It's a good way to conduct an interview without being too uh, accusatory to start with. You can gather information that exonerates people as well, so a lot of people are willing to take them. Uh, just for that reason.
2: Investigator John Hakes confronts Janice with the theory that she murdered her husband for money.
10: That was a big point in the polygraph examination was that she had no reason to do it because she came from a wealthy family and she didn't really need the money.
2: Based on information from Janice's friends, investigators suspect this is a lie. I heard she came from a poor family.
9: She always had to struggle. So naturally, money could be an incentive to do something that you normally would never do.
10: Did you find the shots that caused Bruce's death? No. It was three irrelevant questions and two relevant questions. Did you kill Bruce? Are you the one that actually killed Bruce? She did show deceptive on that, uh, there's no doubt. I'm gonna be quite honest with you showing deceptive on the issues. And I can show you right down the line. She was confident the whole time, extremely confident. Her ego, I think her ego was uh, very uh, visible. She maintained her story.
7: I
5: did not hear. I know from the depths of my heart. I did not
2: hear. With nothing concrete tying Janice to the murder, detectives have to let her go. And the investigation drags on for months. Janice Dodson moves on with her life. And one year after Bruce's death, she gets remarried to a longtime friend named Bart Hall
3: she had remarried and she had gone back to Texas.
7: It all fits into the pattern of everything that was going on because the relationship she had with the victim uh, was pretty minor. And it was such a short time span in between uh, the death of her husband and, and then getting remarried.
2: On April 4th, 1997, investigators interviewed Janice's new husband. He tells them he recently took out a $100,000 life insurance policy to make sure that Janice is taken care of if anything happens to him.
3: She's going through men like water. You know, I hope this guy knows what he's getting into and that he doesn't wind up to be another victim.
2: Though it's been nearly two years since Bruce's death, the office feels a new sense of urgency to put Janice behind bars.
6: There was a lot of good police work done at the start, but I think there was some brick walls that were hit. Now, it went cold for a little while. And then uh, the DA's office in Mesa County picked it up and started the investigation again, and they were trying to pull facts together.
2: Reading through Janice's past statements, investigators noticed she claimed that on the morning of the murder, she stepped into a bog and returned to her camp to change clothes. I remember her talking about getting that mud on her boots
9: and on her uh, overalls. On June 23,
2: 1998, nearly three years after Bruce's murder, investigators returned to the Uncompahgre National Forest to search for the missing murder weapon one more time. They concentrate their search on the bog near Janice's camp and on a pond near JC Lee's camp.
7: When she came back to her camp, she had mud up to her knees, and that's why we felt that she had weighed out in that mud.
2: To determine exactly where Janice got stuck in the mud, investigators collect soil samples from both the bog and the pond.
5: It's hard to tell dirt from one another, especially in a mountainous area. Initially, everything appears to be some color of brown. There are two plastic bags, each containing soil. People think that dirt is dirt. And I took samples of this to show that within five feet, the soil can vary tremendously.
2: By comparing the new samples to the clothes Janice was wearing on the day of the murder, Investigators hope to verify Janice's location that morning.
5: I got four samples from the pond, two samples from the bog, and I got two samples from her clothing.
2: The results will either verify Janice's alibi or prove that she has been lying to investigators since day one. Coming up. Nearly three years after the death of Bruce Dodson, the truth finally emerges.
3: He must have known somebody was trying to kill him.
10: She knew people would be suspicious just by them being there.
3: Every
5: piece of evidence works together to make a whole complete picture.
2: In the spring of 1998, nearly three years after the murder of Bruce Dodson, investigators are reviewing the final pieces of forensic evidence to test his widow, Janice's alibi.
5: The results indicated that the clothing matched those of the pond and not those of the bog.
4: It ends up being bentonite that they found, which is a material that's used to seal the ponds so they won't leak water. They searched that mountain, and
8: the only body of water that had out in it was the mud hole right in front of her ex-husband's
5: camp. That was a big deal. Her
2: story then just fell apart. Contrary to her account to police, the evidence proves that Janice Dodson was near J.C. Lee's camp during the weekend her husband was murdered the same weekend that a 308 caliber Remington rifle was reportedly stolen from Lee's tent.
10: I don't think J.C. had anything to do with Bruce's death at all. I think she picked at the the spot to where it happened. She knew people would be suspicious just by them being there.
2: The evidence also clears J.C. Lee of any wrongdoing.
10: The investigation proved beyond a reasonable doubt that Janice planned this to make it look like a hunting accident.
3: You can make all these assumptions, but no hard evidence until you get to the mud. Thank God for the mud.
2: On October 23, 1998, police arrest Janice Dodson at her home in Nacogdoches, Texas.
6: The district attorney with Mesa County said, we have made an arrest. I said, well, did she go peacefully? He said, well, she had a shotgun. When they went in the door, she was hiding behind the bed with it. But thank goodness, she didn't use it.
2: On February 22, 2000, Janice Dodson goes on trial for first degree murder. Prosecutors lay out the chain of events that took place on the morning of October 15, 1995.
4: it wasn't a spontaneous act. She obviously had planned to go out she knew where he was going to be hunting and she went to that area and committed the crime.
2: According to prosecutors, there was one element Janice hadn't considered, a small fence post between her and her target.
7: I think that the bullet had changed trajectory slightly going through the post and as a result of that, rather than going into the body, it just hit the vest which was sticking out to the front.
2: Prosecutors contend that as a result of this warning shot, Bruce Dodson took off his vest.
7: It would have been a very scary situation if you were the victim to hear the gunshot and hear that and feel that, that bullet going right through your clothing like that. But I think he was waving it over his head and yelling so that whoever had fired that shot would know that he was a, a person and not, not an animal.
2: Prosecutors say Janice Dodson fired again.
3: He must have known somebody was trying to
2: kill him. The second bullet hit Bruce Dodson, but did not kill him. Prosecutors say that's when Janice Dodson fired a final time.
3: How does anybody sit there and look through a rifle sight to somebody you know and shoot them three times? Anybody who can do premeditated, cold, hard murder, you're not all there, you're just not all there.
2: According to prosecutors, Janice later placed three empty shell casings on the ground beside her husband's body to make it look like he'd accidentally shot himself. Then she had approximately one hour to change clothes and dispose of the murder weapon before Doug Kyle heard her screaming.
6: One of the DA investigators told me, he said, you know, Doug, he said, this was a God thing. He said, you were were put there to make sure she didn't get away with this. And uh, I said, well, if that's my part, then I'm glad I played it.
2: As to why Janice shot her husband in cold blood, prosecutors say it all boiled down to money. $495,000.
3: It probably lasts her a couple of years. From what I'd heard through the
8: detectives, she was out collecting life insurance and blowing and going and just having a grand old time.
2: Through it all, Janice maintains her innocence. But on March 20th, 2000, she is found guilty of murdering Bruce Dodson. She was sentenced to life in prison. She
9: said she always had faith in God and God let her down. I can't believe this because this is not the person I know. So how could you have this other side of
2: you that could be so dark and so evil? Though the sentencing offers closure for Bruce's loved ones, it does little to bring them peace.
9: It's very, very sad because he truly, truly adored Janice and really wanted the best things for her. That's not a human being. That's a monster.
0: In 2002, Janice Dodson's appeal for a retrial was denied. She is currently incarcerated at the Denver Women's Correctional Facility.
2: For more information on Snapped, go to Oxygen.com. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued